People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 513. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Welcome back, Pamela. Thanks. How was your time with your brother? It was good. He was home from Portland State, which is where he's going to school now. And I was actually going to come. I was trying to go visit him this week that he was here. And right when I was about to text him, like, hey, I think I'm going to fly out just for funsies and we can hang. He texted the family group chat and was like, hey, I think I want to come home. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so it worked out really well. And he was here for a few days and we had a lot of fun. Pat and I had some fun over the weekend. We test drove Teslas. You two know what those cars are, right? The all electric oh, yeah. cars. Oh, yeah. Did you actually test drive them or did they test drive you? <laughs> you know, Eric said the same thing to me while we were recording podcast <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the cool thing about Teslas. They are all electric vehicles. They are the brainchild of Elon Musk, who's a little bit crazy, but that's a conversation for another time. There is a whole fandom around Teslas, and Pat is a part of that fandom. He has just obsessed over them for years. It's to the point, and I'm completely serious, every time we see a Tesla out in the wild, he has to yell, Tesla! Every time. (laughs) But weirdly, he had never actually gone and test drove. So we both did that. And yeah, they can drive themselves. And we did that. And we posted a picture on social media of Pat in the driver's seat of a Tesla. And that was when it was driving itself. And it's pretty surreal and honestly very terrifying. (laughs) Now, Tesla does require you to keep a hand on the wheel. But you just kind of have to grip the wheel lightly. And it does that so you can't go to sleep or, like, do some work mm. in the car oh or something. God. So are they not, like, really popular out in your guys' neck of the woods yet? No, they are. They are. Oh, so okay. I hear Pat Pat yell Tesla every five minutes while we're yeah, driving. Yeah, I was going to say, if, he, if you played that game here, it would just be every other car. It wouldn't be funny anymore. Yeah. I was honestly very tempted to buy one so tempted that we got home that night we were drinking and i was like you know what i can afford one of these teslas so i go on the website and i went and ordered one i canceled my order this morning but (laughs) wow you know it's funny i don't i live fairly close to a tesla dealership and i never see anyone there it's just all these beautiful cars sitting outside and no people looking at them. I don't ever see these things on the roads down here. Maybe our uh, standard of living hasn't reached Tesla level yet. People just can't afford it. The mall shops. Like they're in malls here. Yeah. I've seen plenty of standalone There's actually a, it's a standalone. That's crazy. I'm sure it's around, but. So if you want to get a good Tesla, I'm talking about the autopilot, and later this year, it's going to be able to drive itself on surface streets. You you want four-wheel drive, especially out here uh, in the snow. Apparently, it can handle itself very well so long as you have four-wheel drive. And you also want the batter- a long-lasting battery, so you got to pay more for that to get 300 miles out of it. This car is like $55,000, $60,000, and then you have to pay a few more for taxes. And of course, they don't show you how much you're going to have to pay in taxes until after you actually order. So I saw that and I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm out. 
you know what, Andrew? Still cheaper than my master's degree, and it'll get you more places. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> uh, touche. I'm not ready to do it yet financially, but I think I think I might try later this year. I saw Pat and I saw Dumbo this weekend. Did you see this, Pam? Uh, no, but judging by what you're going to say, I'm glad I skipped it in favor of binging on my block season two, streaming now on Netflix. Actually, I'm going to surprise you because it. It did underperform at the box office. It did have mixed reviews, reviews, but I loved it. <laughs> I I started watching this, and of course, Dumbo is this adorable freaking elephant. And I was trying to not get sucked in. I was like, Disney's not going to do it. They're not going to do it to me. But I couldn't help it. I was like tearing up a couple times during the movie. I was so invested. I, I was just really moved by it. And yet, the reviews are kind of bad. So mm. I really disagree with them. And I actually highly recommend seeing it. That that makes sense, though, because the trailer makes me cry every time I see it. He's so that adorable. Ba- baby mind starts playing and, and the waterworks oh. start going. And you see him p- perform and it's just so stinking cute. So I really think everybody should see it. I know Dumbo isn't the most popular character, and that's probably why it didn't do so well at the box office. This is Disney's worst performing quote-unquote live action retelling to date okay so this underwhelming um comment you have here in the doc is in relation to box office yeah oh i thought this was how you felt and i was like oh good thing i didn't go see that (laughs) good thing i stayed home (laughs) no no you should see it you should see it um or watch it on disney plus when that arrives later this year also wanted to update everybody on Apple's announcement because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they did announce Apple News Plus, which is that all-in-one news subscription service, and Apple TV Plus, which is their kind of Netflix competitor. They wheeled out a bunch of stars, including Oprah and J.J. Abrams and Steve Carell and uh, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston. They all have new shows, but they barely showed any footage. Apple News Plus looks underwhelming. They still don't have the New York Times and Washington Post, as we spoke about. I assume you two are pretty underwhelmed as well and not signing up for either of these. I'm about to be a really bad Apple fangirl and say that I did not watch any of these announcements. I wish so I, I could say the same. <laughs> I Yeah, me too. I actually, um, the only reason I watched is because my brother works for Apple and he was home when this was happening. So we we all watched it together with him. <laughs> oh, man. It was like two, two and a half, maybe yeah. like three he hours. You didn't even do the there's one more thing unless the one more thing was Oprah. I guess Pam, that was kind of cool. That was the one more thing. He Tim Cook literally said one more thing. It was just so, there was no buildup. I wanted like this, you know. I was dying because... because So Oprah's the new Apple product? She she was, honestly, like, (laughs) her entrance was so prolific. There's never been a more interesting time in media. It was very grandiose. It was pretty ridiculous. Like, the best thing since sliced bread is Oprah. I, I was actually dying when Tim Cook was like, and we have one more thing. And when I realized it was Oprah... Because they always use the one more thing for a big announcement around a technology product. And now they're using that line on Oprah. I was I was actually crying. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Maybe they'll replace the little Apple decal stickers that you get with your products with just like 
Oprah's face. Or with like the O, the Oprah's book club O. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the big announcements. Everything's going to be O, like the O phone and the O pad. (gasps) Into it. Into it. Yeah, Oprah's bringing her book club to Apple TV+. And she's like, imagine a world where my book club is streaming in Apple stores around the world. I'm like, who cares? You can do this with YouTube right now or anyone. I'm actually surprised that, honestly, that she's doing this because she has her own network. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So. Her own network, her own Sirius XM channel, her own magazine. She's got plenty of places to do the book club. Apple must be paying her a lot of money. Yeah, I was going to say it could be maybe those ventures aren't going as well and she needed to partner with a larger corporation in order to reach a bigger audience. Yeah, I think Own has actually always been been a bit of a disappointment because you'd have to pay extra for that channel and nobody wanted to do that, whereas everybody's got yeah. an Apple device. You have to pay extra, but we don't know how much it'll cost yet. I've just been so underwhelmed by Apple these last few years that I'm not even like I used to work at Apple as well. Like I just don't really keep up with Apple news anymore because every year it's just, oh, we made it thinner. (laughs) (laughs) Buy another dongle. I'm still passionate. Another update for everybody. Jesse Smollett, not in trouble anymore. Prosecutors abruptly dropped all charges last week. Prosecutors said they still believe Smollett came up with the assault, but they gave no detailed explanation for why they abandoned the case only five weeks after filing the charges and threatening to pursue Smollett for the cost of a month-long investigation. The Chicago police and the mayor were pissed. He made us look bad. He made us look like we have these attacks. I mean, look, we do have crime, of course, but he came up with another crime. We didn't need another crime <laughs> in our books. I guess I just wonder if this was a case of them recognizing that all of their evidence was circumstantial. You know, like when you see cases like that where it's pretty clear to most people, it seems like the the person involved was the perpetrator and they did do it. But there's just not enough hard evidence to nail that. Uh, accusation down like is is it that or is it you know the power and celebrity of influence or is it that he truly didn't do it there is no reason to believe that he didn't do it he knew these guys who attacked him he had written them a check previously although that the the reason for why he wrote them that check has come into question according to tmz um The prevailing theory here is that it was his privilege. He used his connections to get out of this. And it's despicable if that's really what happened. All 16 charges just dropped, and he doesn't have to do anything. I mean, white people do this all the time, so I don't think him doing this is any more despicable than anyone else doing it. Um, No, I agree. I'm not saying it's any worse. Yeah, it, that's the case. It is kind of interesting that you mentioned that because over the weekend on Twitter, um, hashtag my white privilege was trending. I don't know if you guys caught this. And people were sharing stories about the most ridiculous things they've gotten away with because they're white. And I think that when this small stuff was kind of coming to the surface, you know, after it happened and when people started questioning uh, whether or not he was telling the truth, uh, a lot of people were already automatically thinking that they were going to throw every rule book they could at him and that he was going to go away for a a long time. And um, 
you know, I think that you're right in, um, in like normal circumstances, maybe he wasn't, um, a relevant, uh, person in the public eye. It might've been completely different, but I think that like the shock really comes like after the anger slips away, the shock comes from the fact that he, he figured, like he figured out how to, um, like he's like the exception, not the rule, like the normal rule, you know, for normal people. Mm-hmm. This is bad for Chicago. It's bad for gay people. It's bad for black people. It's bad for victims who want to be believed. And I don't think we should forget this. And I'm going to be really disappointed if he continues to work on Empire. Well, he's in the finale, right? Wasn't he suspended in the final two from filming the final two episodes? Yeah, but I want to say that he was in a preview for maybe it was something that he that he had filmed prior to all of this. But I don't know. Yeah. Andrew, don't worry. President Trump wants the FBI to investigate this. Good. I'm with Donald. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. We don't need to abuse our federal resources this way. They are already stretched very thin. Anyone get, we are recording on Monday night. It's April Fool's Day. Anyone get fooled by any pranks? I did not. Although I will say James Comey almost got me on Twitter for a second. I don't know if you guys saw this. He he posted this. It was a very majestic picture of himself <laughs> standing in the sunset on a long country road right in the middle. And it said, I'm in because we need someone in the middle. And people were like, no, yeah. no, please, God, no. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's April Fool's. Um, but then what really did surprise me was he replied to it, clearly showing that he was joking, and then hashtagged vote Dem 2020. Mm. And I was like, all right, Comey. Yeah. Because he's he's a lifelong Republican. I feel like it was a little dangerous for him to tweet this because there there was no reason to think he would try to pull off a prank so if i am a cnn producer or any of these other news outlets and i'm looking at this i don't know i it was very believable to me (laughs) i think that april fool's day is a great reminder that we should be vetting all of our sources just like we do on april fool's day every day true that (laughs) do you know what i will say and i hate to uh, drag you for a minute andrew but i hate I, well, I'm so happy that Hypeable did not do April Fool's this year because every year, regardless of my involvement on the site, I know what's coming and I still get fooled. Yeah. By my own publication. It's I think really part bad. of it is that we want to believe that these are real. And the reason I say that is because a Bruce Springsteen website that I love, it's it's a fan run website. Every April Fool's, they come up with stories. And I'm reading these and like I know it's fake. But I'm like, oh, why isn't this real? That would be amazing. That's what it is. We want to believe. We want to believe. Well, the good thing is, and this is not an April Fool's joke, um, we do have some updates on the Mueller report. According to Attorney General Bill Barr, the redacted version of the report will be released to the public by mid-April, if not sooner, he says. Uh, The report is nearly 400 pages long. You can count on the fact that as soon as we have it, I will read every single page. Oh, my God. You should do a live stream of of you reading it. Of me reading it? That would be so boring. Chapter one. How many many new Patreon subscribers would we have to get for you to do this? Uh, One per page. So (laughs) 400. You know who should do this, honestly? Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, that'd I be awesome. I would watch that. Just oh, yeah. her reading it 
out loud all for 400 pages, people would watch it. I would I would pay for some live commentary too. Um but anyway, what's what's also interesting about this is that the attorney general says the Justice Department has, quote, no plans to submit the report to the White House for a privilege review. Good. Now, what this, yeah, what this is for people who may not be familiar, um, anytime a report like this is released to the public, they do have the option of sending it to the White House for a, quote, privilege review. That way, the White House can opt to redact anything that may not be of consequence to like national security, but perhaps something embarrassing they wouldn't like release to the public. Apparently the White House is waiving this privilege for now. Huh. That said, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going into this assuming that they're not going to change their mind. You have to think Trump wants to get his hands on it in advance of everybody else. He doesn't read. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's why he doesn't care. <laughs> And his followers don't either, so it's fine. <laughs> so nobody who likes him will find out any of the embarrassing things about him. Um, speaking of embarrassing things, we do have a 2020 candidate update. Um, although Uncle Joe still hasn't announced, he's already got some baggage. Uh We've heard over the years and seen photos and even video evidence of Joe Biden being a little touchy-feely with women in particular. And there's recently been an allegation that at an endorsement event, he walked up behind the candidate. I need to actually pull up her name. So I'm not just speaking about her as the candidate. Um, Walked up behind her, put his hands on her shoulders, leaned in, took a deep breath, like sniffed her hair, and then kissed her on the head. Mm. It's pretty cringy. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I can't... I can't say that I'm surprised to hear this because, again, it's not the first time we've seen or heard, you know, like actual photographic evidence of him being really touchy-feely with people. That said, I think it's all going to be about his response here. Yeah. Right? So, like, he actually did come out with a response and it's pretty lengthy Um, But he said, not once, never did I believe I acted inappropriately. If it is suggested I did so, I will listen respectfully. But it was never my intention. And another... And... Go ahead. Another photo came out of him getting close to a woman um, during an event with Obama. And he's standing right behind her and got his hands on her shoulders. And some people were questioning that. And that woman came out and said... No, there was nothing creepy about it. It was just a dear friend of mine helping me get through an important day. I think Joe Biden has... He conducts himself in an unusual way at times when he's around women. It it doesn't seem like a major issue. There have just been a handful of times where he gets close in a way that doesn't look good in front of cameras. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I can definitely see how, for example, if he, in the second story you shared, it sounds like they had a personal friendship. And it's very different from to get sort of like a reassuring touch from somebody that you have a long-held rapport with. Um, but you shouldn't touch people that you don't have a relationship with. Right. 
like you can't assume that that's okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, the the woman from the first story I mentioned, her name is Lucy Flores. I didn't want her name to get lost in all of this. And the woman in the second the story I'm talking about is Stephanie Carter, and she's the wife of the former Secretary of Defense Ashton B. Carter. Mm-hmm. So look, if enough people have a problem with how he conducts himself, fine. Like I'm not going to sit here and defend him. We have plenty of candidates no. in the race. If he ends up actually being a creep, okay. But I, I don't think we've passed that line yet, personally. I, independent of this issue, I don't really think Biden's the guy for 2020. I think he missed his time. And we have so much new blood in the field. I think that's going to be particularly appealing to people, given um, sort of the shift our national political discussion has taken over the last few years. That said, I think this is still a discussion that needs to be had. Joe Biden himself has been an outspoken advocate for survivors, and he headed up President Obama's program to bring awareness to college sexual assault. So if that is to believe, or if that is to be believed, then this should concern him and he should be willing to, as he said, listen, have a dialogue and apologize if he made anyone feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm all in on Pete Buttigieg right now. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I just, every time I hear him talk, I'm like, oh my God, you're you're like Jed Bartlett. Please be president. He's very well-spoken. He's very intelligent. This is the openly gay mayor of South Bend. He's been on a big press tour recently. He was on Bill Maher on Friday. He just released a book in February, which I had missed. So I have that ordered. That's coming in soon. I'm also stalking his Instagram. He, it looks like he has a Ford Escape. And I have a Ford Escape. Just another reason for me to oh love him. Oh, my God. To he's be. just like you. He is. <laughs> he also has been doing this thing where... He he gets the pronunciation of his last name printed on like walls and T-shirts and stuff like in his campaign office. It says boot edge etch. <laughs> That's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I bought the T-shirt version of that and I'm going to wear it to the gay bars and the smart people are going to understand <laughs> what the hell I'm wearing. Come check out my boot edge. <laughs> <laughs> I actually take issue with how he's suggesting we pronounce it he's saying we need to pronounce it boot edge edge but that does not roll off the tongue boot edge edge it's weird well i don't think you're supposed to insert a glottal stop between each one of those things i think you're just supposed to let it roll off the tongue like boot edge edge yeah so if you do it with boot ed edge it makes sense boot edge edge boot edge edge Help. Maybe we'll have him on the show sometime and he can correct us. We can talk about our favorite porn sites, gay porn sites, and policy issues, I guess. <laughs> you can, oh my God, you can ask about familydick.com. What do you think of familydick.com, Pete Buttigieg? <laughs> um, sorry, Andrew, I don't watch porn. I read. Oh, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> there, If there is not already, there will be a porn oh my based on God. him. <laughs> oh, you're so right. I will keep an eye on the sites and I will let you know when that comes into existence. That's so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) What do we got coming up in After Dark today? We're going to be talking about plagiarism in the music world. Okay. So it's not a secret to people over the last few years. There have been several prominent artists who have been sued 
over producing work that bears a really stunning resemblance to another popular song that was out in the past. So we're going to talk about a few of those cases, and we're going to really dig into when does when is the plagiarism line crossed in music? Because we think it's actually a lot murkier than it sounds like it would be. That'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. Your support keeps the show running. Thanks to you, we were recently able to hire our new social media manager, Jewel. And if you don't follow us on social media now, you should really get on that. Twitter.com slash millennial show, Facebook.com slash millennial show, and Instagram.com slash millennial show. We're posting to the story. We're giving episode previews. We're getting releasing episode clips. A lot of stuff on the social media. All right, before we move on to some listener feedback, we wanted to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Rothy's is the company making insanely stylish and comfortable flats for women and girls from recycled plastic water bottles. I love my pointed Rothy's in plum. They have this beautiful baby blue racing stripe on the side of them, and they pair with pretty much any outfit or mood. And they're awesome for a day at the office or a night out. Rothy's has built one of the fastest growing shoe companies by giving us the everyday flat for life on the go for women and girls. It's stylish, classic, comfortable, and comes in four fashionable styles, the flat, the point, the loafer, and the sneaker. The color and pattern selection is amazing, and they are always updating their lineup because these styles sell out so fast. It will blow your mind that these are made from recycled plastic water bottles, so you can feel good about wearing them. And when your Rothy's have finally run their course, send them back to Rothy's for free to be recycled again as yoga mats, outsoles, and other environmentally friendly products. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for our listeners. Use code M-I-L-L to get free shipping with no minimum purchase. You'll also get free returns and exchanges, but trust me, you won't want to return these. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com, and enter code M-I-L-L to get your amazing shoes and free shipping. This is a no-brainer. You'll get shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, plus free shipping. Go to rothys.com and enter promo code M-I-L-L. Get this deal while it lasts. Now let's call one of our listeners. Surprise! Surprise, Surprise, bitch! Today we're going to call Rachel... And I understand she's very far away from us. Ooh, definitely sounds like an international number. Rachel! I think you have the wrong number. Uh, Wait, is this April Fool's prank? (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. I was fooled. Yeah, you got me. I was about, I was on the precipice. All morning, I was like, should I do that? What if I hang up? (laughs) You're at work right now, right? Yeah, but I'm just outside now, so it's good. I oh. wasn't doing anything. Oh, good. What do you do? I work at a university, so in like the student center, like admin. Oh, cool. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, so I love it so much. I started out as a casual, and then I liked it so much that I became full-time and stopped studying. <laughs> it's great. Cool. What What are the big stories happening down in Australia right now? What should we know about? Um, well, we just had our state elections. So that was a pretty big deal. We just got a new, or we kept the same premier, which is like governor. That was a big thing. I don't know if you guys heard of Senator Fraser Anning. He, after the New Zealand uh, shootings, he actually made really bad comments about Muslim and some kid egged him. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. I saw that on John Oliver. And he is now our national hero. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) That's the biggest news. Yeah. What's a cool thing to do in Sydney for anyone visiting that that you wouldn't find on, say, TripAdvisor? Like, what's a good Sydney secret? I was thinking about this all morning, but honestly, I live in the suburbs. Like, I'm really not the best person unless you want to drive 50 minutes outside of the CBD. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... Um, exploring Sydney theatre. You know, our theatre community is not the biggest here. We don't get shows. We don't have Harry Potter in Sydney, at least. Um, I think, yeah, supporting our Broadway, not Broadway, supporting our theatre community <laughs> would be a good way to spend your time here. Is the Opera House overrated? Because that's all everybody talks about. It is really beautiful, especially when you're just looking at it from across the harbour and it's so far away, but it's so big and pretty and whenever i see in the movies like when it's like the obvious sydney scene just makes me happy i don't think it's ever rated oh that's cute okay okay (laughs) have you ever been to america ignored down here (laughs) no i haven't i've only ever been to new zealand um no and i'm young so i mean i'm sure i think i want a honeymoon in america but okay where would you go in america like what's the dream for an for an australian um well, I'm a basic white bitch, and I love New York. <laughs> so I'd like to go there. You like the New York you see on TV. Then you'll go there, and you, you'll see that they dump their trash on the sidewalks because they don't have alleyways. Yeah. And then you'll be like, hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. I don't think New York is overrated. It doesn't make me not want to go there. I mean, I used to live there, so I feel the need to defend my old home. <laughs> yes, that happens, but they have a very efficient trash pickup service so it doesn't sit there for 24 hours or anything okay um you know and also it's an old city like some shit's just too small you know yeah you know what i agree with yeah. not enough I space lived, i lived in new york for about four months and i don't think it was ever like the stench was wafting for more time than it needed to mm-hmm it was gone by, you know, the time I left for work. America is so big. Like, there are so many cities. You come to Australia and you're like, I'll go to Sydney, Melbourne, you know, maybe Queensland. That's about it. Whereas America, it's like, there, there's, you, you literally have 50 capital cities. I mean. Yeah. There's like a lot going on over here. There's so many options. Yeah. We're just a little fetus country. Since this is your chance to talk <laughs> back to us, do you have any questions for us? I was thinking, I, they definitely have been, like, I have memories of just listening to, like, Imprint or, like, Lame and or Smart Mouths and just being like, you guys are fucking wrong. But he's going to make, can't remember. <laughs> All right. Water under the bridge then. Great. We're still friends. Yeah. I, I've obviously gotten over it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, on a related note, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. We appreciate it's it. It's okay. Yeah. I love to support you guys and, you know, just keep making great things cool thank you well you oh uh skype just disconnected us so i guess our- oh, i thought she hung wow. up on us <laughs> i know i thought she was done with us yeah. she's like all right she's like keep making great things it's like the hags of skype and yeah she left. <laughs> she's probably gonna think we hung up on her I know. Well, that's true she's probably logging into patreon right now being like fuck these yeah. people i'm canceling my pledge <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I think I know what happened. Um, I called her from my personal Skype account where I don't have calling credits. So I think I ran out of money on this account. Should we just leave her hanging? Disappoint her again? <laughs> Until Tuesday so when mean. she listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send her a text message and be like, hey, sorry. Yeah, I will. 
we were wrapping it up anyway, so I think we're good there. Okay. But uh, speaking of talking to our listeners, one of them called in. Let's listen to this voicemail. I think it has an interesting question. What's up, millennials? It's me, ya boy. <laughs> By which I mean neither yours nor male. Anyway, um, I don't like <laughs> the way I answer the phone because I just say hello. I don't like say it in an interesting way or say my name or anything. So I was wondering how you guys answer the phone and if you have any advice for coming up with a good, like, adultish way to answer the phone. I don't know the name of your boy, but thank you for calling. (laughs) The reason I thought this was interesting is because I swear, half the time I answer the phone, the person will always ask me, oh, is this a good time to talk? And I'm starting to think that I answer the phone in a bad way. Like people, people hear this tone that is unwelcoming. I think that's normal phone etiquette. So what should we do yeah. to combat that? Like you don't want to be asked that question. Yeah. Well, wait, Andrew. Why don't you? Why don't you sample for us how you answer the phone? Well, well so, that's a good idea. Like I try to be friendly because I'm aware people take issue with it. So I'll go, hello. <laughs> it does it does sound like a little a little aggressive oh oh it's too much how do you two do it i do it with like a slight lilt like as a question mark so when i pick up i'll be like if it's not somebody i know i'll be like hello yeah yeah i think i kind of if it is same. somebody i know i'm just like hey <laughs> <laughs> I rarely do the hey, unless I'm super close. Like, I guess if one of you two called, I'd, I'd do that. But I still, like, pretend that I don't have caller ID. So most of the time, I'm, I am like, hello? Who is this? <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck? <laughs> so there are some people that, like, like I know are calling with a purpose. But most of the time when I get calls out of the blue from friends, because I think most of most of my friends just text. I always ask, like, did you did you mean to call me for real? Yeah. Ew. Why are you calling? No, it's not even that. It's just like, hey, did you mean to call or did you accidentally butt dial or something? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. This is amazing. So I've identified the caller, Andrew. Oh. She's in the uh, Discord. It's Amber. She just said, oh, my God. I forgot I called in. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Were you high or? <laughs> Maybe. Let's see. I mean, you called us on Tuesday. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> oh amber that's so amber anyway um yeah i don't know i've been working on it because i don't want people to think i don't want to speak to them so i just think that it's like i I think it's like a courtesy thing i know that like this is kind of like a weird comparison because obviously it doesn't really compute if you're calling a friend or a family member but i know when i was in high school i was taking this uh class it was like a documentary filmmaking class so they went through exercises so that all of us not nosed teenage kids would know how to properly answer the phone. Oh, really? Or like ask people to, you know, like engage in a conversation. And one of the first things that they said is like, if you're cold calling somebody, remember to introduce yourselves and also say, is this a good time to chat? You know? Huh. So. Here's the thing, though. Mm. If that person is answering the phone, it should be a good time to chat. So you shouldn't have not, to ask that. Not all the time, though, because sometimes like, 
maybe they just want you to know that they've like acknowledged that you called and mm-hmm. you know they didn't know it was going to be like a quick you don't know if it's going to be a quick thing or a long thing yeah. like say i called you up and i needed to like break down the entire events of my day if you don't have time that i don't want to get into a story yeah yeah that's true do y'all's work phone voices differ from your podcasting voices or just like your day-to-day yeah well when i answer the phone i don't go welcome to andrew's phone episode 513 (laughs) no i'll just on the phone i'll just go hello i i do try to be peppier whereas here i try to be a super serious voiceover man Andrew, do you remember when you used to prank call me when I worked at Target? No, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You did this a couple of times because I was the store operator. So I answered the phones (laughs) and I had to give this really long spiel. Um, And also, I grew up in a a town called Cumming, Georgia, and it Cumming is spelled the way you think it's spelled, (laughs) C-U-M-M-I-N-G. And this was always a big joke to everyone, all of my friends growing up. And so a couple of times, Andrew, you called just to hear me say, thank you for calling the coming super target. My name is Laura. Can I help you find something? (laughs) And you would just like burst out laughing and then hang up the phone. And I was like, this motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, man. I completely. You're you're like, uh, business voice is is so airy and pleasant. It is. Oh, thank you. And then I mm-hmm. come home and I just light up a big doobie and just <laughs> sound like I've been smoking for 30 years. Fuck Target. <laughs> Fucking hate this job. <laughs> so at work, Laura, do you speak like that? All bright and cheery? Fuck no. <laughs> I don't answer phones. Yeah, but maybe you want to sa- you want to come off nice to coworkers or Meh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I think I'm I think I'm nice. My tone changes between like me and Pat versus like me and friends. Like I'll definitely be peppier because I want to put on a show. I want people to think that I'm more lively than I really am. Like here on the show, I'm way more lively than I am in person. <laughs> I want to believe that I'm the same, but 100% I'm sure that I try and sound more exuberant. Yeah. Here, depending on the topic though, especially in interviews like if i'm if i'm doing phone or interviews or in-person interviews it's like it starts off like really enthusiastic and then you get to the serious questions and your voice kind of drops and Mm -hmm. you tone you know tone it down a little bit but you know i think that when i'm on like a professional phone call or if i'm in a job interview like you mentioned pam the big thing that i change about speaking is i drop my vocal fry Mm. So like, you know, when you're talking, you kind of have that like, uh, like as with certain words and it's like a natural vocal phenomenon. Everyone does it. But I've noticed when I'm trying to quote unquote sound professional, I'm really conscientious of like my pronunciations and not producing that like frog croaking sound I just made. (laughs) Patrons, we want to hear from you. You have access to the voicemail line as well. If you go to patreon.com slash millennial and you go to the benefits tab, you will find a post with our phone number and call in anytime, leave any question. We love hearing your voices, so please do that. This week's episode of Millennial is also brought to you by Policy Genius. Can you believe it's already April? Time has a habit of getting away, but if you have a mortgage, kids, or anyone depending on your income, you're going to have to spend some of that precious time getting life insurance. 
And that's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can afford. From there, just apply online, and the advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company. No extra fees, no commissioned sales agents, just helpful advice and personalized service. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, pet insurance, health insurance, they can help you get covered fast. This is the place to do it. One place for all insurance. It's a beautiful website and super easy to use. So if you need life insurance, but you're short on time, head to policygenius.com and compare quotes. Policy Genius is easy. It saves you money and not to belabor the point, but it is fast. Policy Genius, spend less time comparing life insurance and more time doing literally anything else. And when you do use Policy Genius, let them know that we sent you by mentioning us at the end of your order. We have an email here now on active shooter training. Pam, could you read this for us, please? It's sure. actually three different emails. Oh, my yeah. bad. Three, Got a three lot different people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Should I take the first one? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'm a school psychologist in Washington, and my school district had a required active shooter training last year. In my training, they had us all huddle up in a corner of the classroom and had a shooter fire an airsoft gun at each of us, one at a time. Keep in mind, the only protective gear we had was for the eyes. Many of us were shot at from a close distance, which was even more painful. You could hear everyone yelp as they were shot. Almost all of us had some sort of physical injury, welt, bleeding, bruising, etc., This part of the training was to show that the method of hiding in a classroom is ineffective. Keep in mind, we were all huddled up against the back door exit of the classroom. In a real life situation, I would use that door for an immediate escape with my students. What is with these schools? Yeah, that is awful. I can't believe that this is happening. I know. Well, it was it was really interesting because after we talked about that story from Indiana last week, of the teachers being shot execution style with airsoft guns in order to train them that, um, you know, hiding and, and like acquiescing is not an effective way to avoid getting shot. Um, we got several emails from people who either are in schools where this is happening or are teachers or faculty at schools where this is happening. Um, another one that we got said, I'm a preschool teacher in Ohio And by law, we are required to do a, quote, safety drill at least once a year. It involves turning off the lights, locking classroom doors, and keeping the kids quiet and hidden from sight. This is a very recent addition to the laws. And honestly, these kids are in preschool. They really have no concept of a mass shooting. And while I understand that safety is a priority, I find it sad and ridiculous that it is something we expect even of these young children only ages three to five years old. Absolutely. They should not have to go through this. I understand wanting to train the teachers because the teachers should know what to do. But it's anything like this with kids of this age is going to be chaos. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because I remember vividly the first ever earthquake drill we had to do when I was in kindergarten. And I remember being scared about that. Yeah. So I can't imagine how terrifying this must be. It, it Because it feels real. It does. And for like a young kid, you're telling them back then they used to tell you to get under the desk. I don't think they do that anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was, it felt like forever. And I just remember thinking like, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. I honestly have had extra peace of mind, not living in a state where earthquakes happen because, um, that is just like constant, constantly sitting in the back of your head. Like at any moment, the big one could strike and this place could just collapse or something. Well, there's retrofitting now. Yeah, but you never know. You could be somewhere where there isn't retrofitting. You're right there. The building codes are very uh, strict these days. That first email was from Aubrey. That second one was from Sarah. And this third one is from Allison. She says, one of my cousins literally walked out of the school, Columbine, to attend a medical appointment as the Columbine shooters entered the school. Active shooter drills may seem silly, but they are extremely important. However, it makes zero sense to me to shoot pellets at teachers for a drill. Although I am from Texas, I do not support guns in schools. I'm just trying to think about any other drill where they would try to give you, quote unquote, practical exposure. Because like growing up for me in Texas, it was active shooter drills and tornado drills. And I'm like, so if you're going to simulate somebody being shot, how are you going to simulate somebody being stuck in a tornado? Or how are you going to simulate somebody being stuck in an earthquake? Or a fire. Yeah, the logic is ridiculous. And a whip out a flamethrower and start <laughs> pointing it at you. Here it comes. Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> once once a year, they used to, with these um, earthquake drills, they used to have really, really long ones. And, you know, like they would, like, when it's not just like hiding under, the, it was like extreme. Looking back on it, I feel like it's extreme. It wasn't just like hiding under desks. Like they would march you out and you would have to wait. And then they would have like volunteer students be carried out on stretchers so that you would understand <laughs> what, exactly what was going to happen if anybody were to get hurt. It was so weird. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who wrote in on that. And speaking of feedback, so. Like we've been telling you, we have our new Instagram and we did some polls over there to engage our listeners. Hashtag engagement. And we posed some of those questions that we brought up last week concerning helicopter parents. We asked our listeners, do your parents contribute more than $500 to your rents every month? And 89% of participants said no. 11% said yes. Can you adopt me, please? Next question. Did your parents tell you which career to pursue? 79% said no. 21% said yes. Do your parents offer you relationship advice? This one was kind of split. 61% said no. 39% said yes. And we had discussed that that would be the case on last week's episode. Do your parents still make appointments for you? 91% said no. 9% said yes. (laughs) And do your parents still remind you about deadlines you have to meet? 89% said no. 11% said yes. That was one of the bigger yes ones in the New York Times report, I believe. So thanks to everybody who participated there. Time now for some news. I thought because we are recording on April Fool's Day, we could kind of do things differently. And I wanted to share some news about Trump that we actually see as a good thing, believe it or not. Speaking of guns, bump stocks are now banned. Trump had pledged to do this after the Vegas shooting. That was back in October 2017. They are banned as of this past Tuesday. 
gun rights activists asked the Supreme Court to block it, but the Supreme Court said no. Interestingly, after publishing a proposed version of the rule in 2018, the government received 120,000 comments in support of the legislation and 66,000 expressed opposition to it, according to the Justice Department. So most people were in favor of banning bump stocks. I have to wonder why, why isn't it is good, but why didn't Obama do something like this? Um, I believe that the ATF at the time decided it couldn't regulate bump stocks. Oh, okay. So, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that's enough of a reason to like justify it, but I do think that there was something there that was acting as a preventative to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'm looking on PolitiFact right now, and... In fairness, the NRA did claim that the Obama administration approved the sale of bump fire stocks on at least two occasions, and PolitiFact is rating that as a mostly true statement. Okay. So. So what the hell? I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you have to, you have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. That said there's still a lot of issues with guns and bump stocks. I mean, it's a good place to start, but yeah, I think we are at such a, uh, impasse concerning gun control right now that any little move forward is a very welcomed one, especially yeah, well, seeing I mean, it come from Trump. Yeah. And I mean, the, the fact is a bump stock, turns a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic weapon, making it twice as deadly as it would be otherwise. I mean, this is what the Las Vegas shooter used when he killed all of those people on the strip. Yeah, because you have to reload less frequently, I believe. Mm -hmm. So some other news that we can applaud Trump for. He is trying to require drug companies to start putting drug prices in television commercials. So now imagine all these people running through fields and expressing their joy over being on this medication and seeing a price come up so you know exactly how much you might be paying. And the Trump administration is hoping that this will help drive these prices down because these prices do not need to be this high. It's just the drug companies being greedy. And now they're trying to hold them accountable. Trump, for his part, has been adamant about lowering drug prices. We know it's been part of his platform for a while. So here's an example of him trying to do something about it. And like you said, Laura, you know, we, we got to commend him when he does do something good. And I'm, I'm proud that we can do that on this show because I feel like, you know, these are stories I honestly don't see on CNN and MSNBC. Right. I just like see them by chance occasionally. And the media should be picking these up from time to time. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, just because you agree with something that, you know, an orange Nazi did (laughs) doesn't mean that you support the orange Nazi. I will say, I mean, with the bump stocks, I that that's like good on you that we've all been wanting that for a very long time. Um, But when it comes to posting the drug prices on the commercials, it's not going to really matter when 20 million people lose their health insurance because Trump's DOJ has decided to try and scrap the entire Obamacare law. 
So when I see that and then I see Trump touting that he's going to make drug companies show their prices, I'm like, cool, bro. So now people really aren't going to be able to afford it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hopefully it will encourage some of these drug makers to bring the prices down, but they may jump through some loopholes such as offering uh, coupons that'll bring the prices down. A lot of them already do that, though. Right, right. Um, but you know, April Fools, we can't be that positive about Trump in one episode. So just want to mention that the Trump administration tried to cut funding for the Special Olympics. And then it was like two days later when Trump was like, oh, you know what? Never mind. Because of course, they got a lot of backlash for that. How could they look at that and be like, yeah, let's cut the Special Olympics and we'll definitely get away with that. Are you kidding me? People are blaming Betsy DeVos, but Betsy DeVos is like, oh, it wasn't me. Okay. I'm sorry. Who runs the Department of Ed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So I wanted to talk about the AP style book, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, it's a rule book, basically, that most, the majority of American journalists and news organizations follow. Uh, They've been following it for decades. And uh, this is kind of important just to know, because I know that everybody that listens to the show tries to keep up with news. Uh, So if you're reading news and you want to know why uh, news organizations use certain terms or do certain things, then like the AP style book is a really good place to kind of start and understand more why, um, you know, newspapers will write things the way that they do. So they release edits and changes every year. And this year's changes are um, very heavily focused on covering race related stories, which is just kind of a testament to how much this has been going on in the news. Uh, And I think that the changes are really interesting. So this is what's changed in terms of what uh, the AP hopes that news news organizations on the whole will start doing. So first off, they're urging journalists to move away from euphemisms such as racially charged or racially motivated. So basically, if it's racist, call it racist. Uh, The updated entry reads, the term racism and racist can be used in broad references or in quotations to describe the hatred of a race or assertion of the superiority of one race over others. And then they're also urging journalists to think critically when covering race-related events so that if, say, they feel as though racist isn't quite the right term, you're really sitting down to think about it before you choose what else to go with. So the AP Book, which also has a Twitter account, which is helpful to follow as well if you're interested in keeping up with uh, these changes and these rules, uh, sent out a tweet that said, if racist is not the appropriate term, give careful thought as to how best to describe the situation. Alternatives include racially divisive, racially sensitive, or in some cases, simply racial. But if it's racist, again, just call it what it is. And then the last thing they did, which was big in terms of these race-related stories, is emphasizing a longstanding rule. This is something that they teach you in journalism school, but sometimes it gets lost in the crossfires. Uh, They're urging journalists to use their best news judgment in determining how important it is to include race in coverage. So the entry for that reads, consider carefully when deciding whether to identify people by race Often it is irrelevant. Uh, is it is an irrelevant factor, and drawing unnecessary attention to someone's race or ethnicity can be interpreted as bigotry. Uh, so again, I thought this was interesting to bring up because I know that anytime 
stories come up in terms of even like sexual abuse. People get upset when it's uh, sexual assault allegations is used in the headline or even something like Jesse Smollett, which we talked about earlier, people being upset over uh, that story being reported as a racially charged incident. And so it's a really big deal for the AP style book to be saying, hey, like we hear you. We understand and we think that this needs to change. And since they're the barometer for how these organizations kind of present stuff, uh, this is this is pretty big. And, you and could hopefully see the, it'll help. Go ahead. You could see the changes come into effect pretty quickly, too, because once these changes are implemented in the style book, everybody immediately begins following them, right? Yeah, no, 100%. There are some um, organizations, like, for example, the New York Times, they mostly follow AP style, but they also have little discrepancies. Yeah. But for the most part, everybody kind of bases their style on these rules. So you're going to start seeing a big change in how these stories are reported. And it goes a long way to just making sure there's full transparency. Yeah. I know like BuzzFeed has their own guide, but I think it was based off of the AP style book because... How it works is these sites get started and they're like, okay, we're going to follow AP. But then as you're writing and you have your own team of writers and you have a certain type of audience, you decide that you need to write a little differently. Uh, Hypable, I don't even know what we've got going on. I think we've got Yeah, some... I don't know either, TDH. <laughs> <laughs> I just trust Pam follows some is somewhere in the middle of AP style book and hypa book. Yeah, and hype a book. <laughs> I really like this because I feel like it removes the possibility for the interpretation of an inherent bias through the reading of a headline. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like anytime you read something like alleged rapist, to me, that reads like, oh, I'm going into an article and I'm about to read an article by somebody who is questioning this. So I, I kind of feel like I know what slant I'm going to get going into that. And the same goes for like if I'm on Fox News and they're referencing the fact that a black man committed a crime, I feel like I know what kind of slant I'm in for because it's Fox News and they're choosing to identify the race of somebody who did something negative, which is one of their favorite tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just feel like this injects a lot more um, sort of neutrality to news reporting. Yeah, it's really kind of going back to the roots of what it's supposed to be in general. Um, It's really hard to get unbiased news for the most part, especially these days. Uh, So the best thing you can do is just kind of learn how to read uh, multiple stories from um, a wide variety of sources. And also, I know that you guys took the Pew quiz last week about like uh, figuring out what's fact mm-hmm. versus what's opinion. Getting really good at sussing that out for yourself is just going to help you a lot in terms of, you know, um, just avoiding uh, the biases that are in print if that happens, because it's going to happen one way or the other. But at least it's good to know that you know, these people that are in power are trying their best to make sure that there is more transparency. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any pushback, Pam, from this, media outlets? I think, I think all of this happened on Friday. I, I saw it like right after my new shift finished. Okay. So I actually haven't had time to see if there's been 
you know, kind of negative pushback one way or the other. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen anything super crazy. I haven't seen any hot takes that were just like, this is wrong and this is why. Yeah. So I, I think it's kind of hard to push back on uh, the AP style book um, and the AP editors just because it's been around for a really long time. I think the first uh, AP style book that was made available to the masses came out in like the 1950s, but they had been around since way before then as a subscription service to journalists that were affiliated with the Associated Press. Yeah. So because it's kind of like this legacy organization. Yeah. I think it's a little bit harder. We have one more sponsor this week before our final news item. They are Open Fit. I'm such a big believer in working out because when you do it, you feel good. I'm in a better mood when I get in a workout because it clears my head. It's just time for me to get in touch with my body and enjoy some of my favorite music and stop working for a little bit. But you need time to fit it in, and that's where Open Fit comes in. Open Fit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. That's the best part about OpenFit. You don't have to drive to a gym. You don't have to struggle to fit it into your busy day. If you're at home or at a place where you have a little bit of downtime, you can work out and get results in a short amount of time. And it's more affordable than a gym, which is one of the best perks of all. Forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play. OpenFit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world, and they come to you. Access anywhere and anytime. View on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, and Roku. It's just the best way to work out. I love working out this way as well because going to the gym is a pain in the butt, especially in the winter. It's still not getting warm enough here for me to really want to go to the gym. This is why I love OpenFit. It's changed the way I work out. And with our code MIL, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use our code MIL and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text MIL to 303030. You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts, all the nutrition information, totally free. This is a free month at a gym, and you do it right at home. Again, just text MIL to 303030. All right, moving on to our final news story for today. Uh, Russian tactics for election meddling look to have evolved. Um, Ukraine, which is a hotly contested uh, territory for Russia, Russia believes that, or at least the Russian government believes that Ukraine is actually Russian territory and has been trying to meddle in their elections for quite some time. They actually had an election yesterday and at least one Russian operative was tasked with finding Ukraini- Ukrainian citizens who are willing to sell or, quote, rent out their Facebook accounts to be used for sharing fake articles and political ads to sway the outcome of the election. Um, this was actually a video confession of a Russian operative. Uh, his face is blanked out, but it was released by Ukraine's domestic intelligence service. Um, and he does confirm that he was instructed by his handlers to find people who were willing to whore out their Facebook accounts in order to achieve this mission of influencing the Ukrainian elections in favor of pro-Russia candidates. 
that are running. Um, what's scary about this to me is I feel like Ukraine has always kind of served as a testing ground for Russia's election interference models. A lot of the same stuff they did to us in the 2016 election was something that they had pre-tested with the Ukraine in trying to influence their elections in 2010 and 2014. Mm. So to me, this suggests that this may be an issue that we have to look out for next year for the presidential election. This is a genius idea because all we've been talking about in the past few years has been bots. Mm -hmm. And people will perk up when they hear there's money involved to post stuff on their personal Facebook accounts. And how is Facebook going to vet that? I guess they can figure out who is paying these people and somehow shut off communication. I don't know. This is going to be a really tricky one for them to get around. Yeah. I mean, Facebook is saying that it's ready to deal with this. They apparently shut down about 2,000 Russian-linked pages and accounts that were posting misinformation about the Ukrainian election just two weeks prior to the election happening. So Facebook is definitely aware of this. That said... They don't have the best track record for this kind of thing. So I certainly understand the trepidation there. I did want to ask the panel, because everyone has a price. Don't deny it. We all do. (laughs) How much would somebody have to pay you in order for you to like give them the keys to your Facebook account and just post whatever the fuck they wanted? Okay, so if it was a pro-Trump item, I would post it for them if it was real news and I would do that for as low as 50 bucks per post. And uh, you'll also get some fun comments from me attached to the post. But if it were (laughs) a cheap date, if if it were fake news, I would not do that. That would tear me apart. If you buy me a Tesla, maybe (laughs) no, but seriously, it it couldn't be fake news. I was just thinking that if, if they would pay off my student loans. Oh my God, me too. I would let them have like two or three posts on my page because everyone in my life that I'm connected with on Facebook is too smart to know that <laughs> like they they know that I would never do something like that. So they would just assume that I'd been hacked and then I could get the keys back to the account and just delete everything and be like, hey, Russia paid off my student loans. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would do the same if they could just get rid of all of my debt and like maybe buy me a house, you know, that would be fine. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that said, if they just wanted like carte blanche access to my accounts for the foreseeable future and I wasn't allowed to do anything to make it clear that I was not supportive of this, then I wouldn't do it because... I don't want to be responsible. I honestly like, well, look, my Facebook is like, is dead. I, I don't use it. <laughs> no, right? I, I like you, Laura, think that everybody would just be texting and asking if I was hacked. So as long as I can just say like, yeah, like I, I just sold my Facebook to yeah. get out of debt. I feel like, you know, it would be a game recognized game situation and nobody would fault me for that. And I mean, everybody and would just know. Facebook already does sell your information and make money off of you and you're not seeing any of that. So right. Hashtag spawn by Russia. Yeah, it's fine. I will say like, if you tell people, yeah, I was hacked by Russia, they'd be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's normal. Yeah. 
This is the problem, though. People are going to be willing to do this for money and probably not much money at all. Yeah. And I'm kind of picturing a scenario where people like go out on the streets and recruit people that way. So Facebook came and track them through their own platform. I'm also just concerned that people are going to get duped. Because how does this happen? Does Does somebody facebook message you offer you this and you give her you hand over the keys and then how do you get the money like how right how do you confirm this how do you verify that the offer is actually legit so i'm afraid a whole afraid of a whole bunch of people are just going to allow themselves to be socially engineered into giving over their accounts and not getting anything for it and ultimately facebook will allegedly shut those accounts down as they find them it's just, it's really disturbing. But I will say some of the stuff that's been happening around this election in Ukraine is kind of encouraging the way that some of the candidates have responded to this. Um, so right now, actually, the top candidate is named Volodymyr Zelensky. He's actually a comedian. He currently plays the president on a TV show. He has no political experience. And he's currently number one in the polls. It looks like he's going to go to a runoff with the second place candidate at Mm. the end of April. Um, But he actually claims that Facebook was slow to respond to his complaints from his campaign. Um, And Facebook shot back by saying that, you know, we deleted pages um, that were impersonating you or your campaign, but Facebook's not actually acknowledging the speed with which they did that. So Zelensky's campaign came up with a quote, like anti-sabotage tool (laughs) in which anytime they found a fake page, they would link it from their real pages and encourage supporters to go to the fake pages and flood them with supportive comments of the candidate. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was super successful. That's funny. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, okay, like maybe maybe it's just going to take people, like individuals responding to this whole Russia hacking crisis because it's not just Ukraine and it's not the United States. Uh, the Kremlin is trying to interfere in governments all over the world. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. We'll see what happens. Yep. Um, I personally don't have much faith in Facebook. I think I have more no. faith in people yeah. here. People have the power. <laughs> people have the power. People have the power. <laughs> it's time now for recommendations. And first, I just want to give a shout out to Bela, who just tweeted us a video of her new slow closing toilet seats. It was a big discussion on last week's episode. Pam, after you use the toilet, do you shut the toilet lid? Um, yeah, I think I think I do. Good. Yeah. Laura doesn't. No. No, I don't because guess what? There's feces on everything we touch. People <laughs> have not- the power. <laughs> but I will say that I I we installed a new toilet in my bathroom not long ago and it also has a slow closing toilet lid and it's really nice because it doesn't make very much noise fuck yeah you just give it a little nudge and slowly yeah and then it just does its thing oh i love it so wait i have i have a question do you actually wait for the lid to close before you flush before you initiate nope 
Well, then what's the point? (laughs) What's the fucking point? I don't have time for that. It takes like 30 minutes to close. Well, so like if I go to the bathroom in the morning right before I brush my teeth, I'll just like tap the toilet lid. It starts doing its thing. It gives me time to take my... I also don't leave my toothbrush out on the counter. Where do you put it? I just like go get my toothbrush. And by the time I I have my toothbrush ready, I can flush the toilet. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Where do you put your toothbrush? In the drawer. In the drawer? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that's one way to avoid it getting dirty, I guess. But that seems like uh, a lot. I mean, like, it's a small bathroom. There's why would I put it on the counter? Just be too cluttery. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have one of those electric ones, so I have to keep it charged. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I want to get one of those, actually. So maybe it'll change once that happens. Yeah, you need to. Pat didn't have one and he needed deep cleanings. I forgot to mention this last week. He didn't have to just go in once. He had to go in twice because they had to numb him so badly that they didn't want to oh numb God. his entire mouth. Oh, <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. Um, so my recommendation this week is not as exciting. Well, maybe it is just as exciting. It's Mission Impossible Fallout. This is the latest Mission Impossible movie. Prior to this one, I had only seen the previous one, which I believe was the fourth installment. I loved Fallout. Holy shit. This was Pat's first time watching a Mission Impossible movie. The fight sequences were incredible. I was literally screaming several times during the movie. (laughs) It was a great movie. (laughs) Wolf Blitzer is in it, and he has this twist. I was... Is this the one with Henry Cavill? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I haven't seen that either, but now I might. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good one. You should definitely watch it. Tom Cruise is great. What's yours, Laura? Uh, I'm going to recommend Pastry Gouda. I recommend this because over the weekend, I was in need of like a dessert thing that wasn't super duper sweet. And this place that we ordered from had these like, it was like a croissant almost stuffed with pastry Gouda, which I didn't realize was a thing. When I read Gouda on the website, I was like, that sounds weird, but I'm kind of high, so I'll try it. (laughs) Um, And it was like stuffed with that pastry Gouda, and then it had like a little bit of chocolate syrup on top, and it was amazing. Like, it literally was just like the most savory dessert, and I highly recommend it. I'm looking at this on Google Images now. Looks great. Oh, it was amazing. (laughs) It's like melting your mouth. Hmm, I wanted to recommend some music. Billie Eilish put out an album called When We All Fall Asleep. When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And she's an artist that has been on the rise for the past few years. And I was very hesitant to uh, take a deep dive into her repertoire because uh, sometimes I worry that when artists get a lot of buzz that they can't survive their own hype. <laughs> so <laughs> I put this off for a while and uh, it was my mistake because this album is really, really good and she's worthy of all the praise. It's like Edgy Lord meets Lana Del Rey meets Fiona Apple. And I think that if you're looking to see where the future of pop music is going, I think you're going to see a lot of people trying to emulate this sound. It's really, really good. And I was very impressed. So get on that. By the way, Pam, did you check out Mark's guide to the MCU over on Patreon? Yes, I did. I am uh, not knee deep, but I have like a toe in the water in terms of my MCU rewatch because I've been juggling a Game of Thrones rewatch, but I just finished that with 14 days to spare. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself and uh, watched uh, First Avenger and Captain Marvel. So I'm on my 
third uh, movie in Mark's list. Nice. And I'm really excited to take a deep dive into that now. So if you want to check that out, you can over at patreon.com slash millennial. You'll also get benefits like face-to-face, breaking news, the classics like Hashing It Out, where we spoke about dog rain jackets today, and Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad-free combined with After Dark for nearly two hours of Millennial. You also get early access to each episode by being able to listen live. And thanks to everybody who tuned in this evening. You get a completely unfiltered version of the show, for better or for worse, including all of my mistakes, which there are many, every episode. <laughs> um, also, don't forget to follow us on social media, twitter.com slash millennial show. Millennial show is also on Instagram, instagram.com slash millennial show, facebook.com slash millennial show. And again, coming up in After Dark today, we're talking about uh, copyright trials in the music industry. Because creators are afraid to uh, get creative because they might get in trouble. It's dangerous. What should our closing song be? Let's do uh, My Strange Addiction. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that a TV show? I haven't done that dance since my (laughs) wife died. There's a whole crowd of people. Oh, this is interesting already. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, I see there's a track here called Wish You Were Gay. Mm hmm. Huh. All right, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. Bye. My doctors can't explain my symptoms on the pain, but you are my strange addiction. I like that. I would listen to that album. Her voice tickles my ears. <laughs>